You're listening to the Healing Birth with Carla podcast, and I'm your host, Carla Sargent. For the past decade, I've been working in the field of birth trauma support and education, utilizing my background in midwifery and teaching, and putting my passion for story sharing to good use. This podcast seeks to dispel common myths surrounding birth trauma and what it takes to heal. Each week, we'll be spending an insightful and inspiring hour together, listening to the stories of people who have journeyed from trauma to healing, and discussing the insights of birth keepers who support others to heal. Whether you're new to the world of birth, a long-time parent, or someone who has an insatiable appetite for all things birth-related, this podcast offers hope and love, guidance and peace, as together we explore how healing our earth begins with healing birth. But before we grace your ears with today's episode, I'm going to take this opportunity to say that if you're inspired to heal with me, or to train with me, or if you have a healing story that you'd like to share on my podcast, reach out to me via my website healingbirth.co.nz. Nicola is mum to three-year-old Sky and six-week-old Luca. Her first birth was a traumatic five-day-long ordeal that involved a posterior baby, an excruciating induction of labour, and an epidural that took far too long to be administered. During her next pregnancy, Nicola sought my support to unravel her trauma and to make plans for a healing birth experience. She talks us through how that one-to-one guidance encouraged her to have an empowering home birth, despite it being another long posterior labour. In listening to others' stories on this podcast, Nicola hadn't been convinced that the descriptions of women going from traumatic to healing birth experiences had been completely honest until she walked that journey for herself. Now that she knows what is possible, she wants to share her own inspirational story. Welcome to the podcast, Nicola. It's lovely to see you and I'm yeah, really looking forward to hearing your story. You've just given birth to little Luca, what is it, like six weeks ago? Six weeks, yeah. And um, after having had a traumatic first birth experience with your daughter, Skye, and is she three now? Is that right? She'll be three in January, so almost yeah. three. Coming up three. Great. All right. So um, I'm really, really keen to hear your journey of how you went from kind of experiencing that trauma to having a really healing and, wow, sounds like an incredibly powerful um, home birth experience with little Luca. Um, I haven't heard much of your story. We worked together. You contacted me for some um birth trauma support uh, around healing your last experience and um, and and preparing for this this next birth so um, and I got a wonderful message from you excitedly letting me know that you had um, achieved the amazing birth that you had been working so hard to um, towards you know preparing for so um, yeah so I'm I'm amped I can't wait to hear your story but we're going to have to sort of let the let the uh, listeners know a bit of your history first so perhaps you can um, start us off with sharing about your uh, your journey into motherhood what that first birth experience with Sky was like and what contributed to that feeling um, that was a traumatic occasion. Yeah. Yeah, sure. 
Um, so I was thinking it was probably useful to go back a little bit before Sky was born just to give some context because now that I understand it all a lot better I think there was a lot of factors that actually um, played into Sky's birth and into the kind of start of motherhood for me so um, <clears throat> I'd been with my partner Sai for about at the time I think three or four years um, and he's kind of always been quite against having children and I'd always been very for having children so I guess that was kind of the main sticking point in our relationship because apart from that everything was really good um but I guess because because it was becoming something that was becoming more and more important to me it was sort of becoming an issue in my head and I was trying to figure out where to go from there um so at the time I had actually I'd been we'd been living together in Queenstown and then I'd moved to Melbourne to do some training for my job and I'd ended up being there for a lot longer than had been planned so I think we ended up doing about almost two years long distance um altogether and <clears throat> during that time I had gone to South uh, Central America for a wedding and that's when Covid all started to become all over the news and things but because I was I was in Guatemala at the time and I just wasn't really paying attention to what was going on in the world and Sai messaged me saying look this is becoming quite a big deal you need to get out of there you need to try and get back to Melbourne and um, the borders for certain countries are starting to close um yeah and I didn't I didn't think too much of it but then we went out for dinner that night and the Guatemalan government had announced that they were closing the borders that night at midnight so if we didn't get out then we would be stuck in Guatemala. Um, so I went rushing to the airport and managed to get pretty much the last ticket for the last flight out of the country. It left at 10 to 12. <laughs> um, so that was all quite stressful. And it went to Hawaii. And then from Hawaii, I managed to get a flight to Auckland. So I decided to, I still had a couple of weeks of annual leave left. So I decided to come and um, see Sai instead of going straight back to work. Um, and within probably a day or two of getting here, I got pregnant. <laughs> um, so I didn't realize straight away, obviously. Um, it was just a, it was just a contraception slip up. Like it was not planned. It was just a very fluky <laughs> event, I think. And the funny thing was that the New Zealand government had then announced that they were closing the borders here. And we kind of expected Australia to do the same. So I was like, right, I better get back to Australia because all my life was there, my belongings, like my job, my house, my car, everything. And it was kind of like March, April time here. And I had like a suitcase full of bikinis and not, not a lot else. And also at the time, Sai was living in a little converted house truck um, in quite a rural property. So wasn't set up at all for family life. Um, so then we were driving to the airport that day for me to fly back to Australia and as we got like as we were driving there I had this horrible gut feeling that I just shouldn't be going and I didn't know why I couldn't put my finger on it at all but we got we drove from Cromwell to Queenstown um, and got to the airport and I just refused to, <laughs> to go in and get on the plane um, and Sai was kind of saying to me like what are you talking about you need to get back to work and I was like, no, I, I really can't. Like, I, something's going to go wrong here. I can't get on this plane. Um, and yeah, we ended up driving back to Cromwell. And then I think about a week later was when I, or a week or two later, 
was when I realized I was pregnant and um, my period was always bang on time and it just didn't show up didn't show up didn't show up and I was kind of in denial and I thought right I better do a test just to check um and yeah <laughs> I was pregnant <laughs> so yeah so that was a bit crazy even the kind of conceiving part of it because it was it was just a one-off slip-up sort of thing um so when I told him he was he was kind of he was like oh well I think we need to have a you know we we can't go ahead with this pregnancy like we're living in different countries we're not set up for a kid we've not got any savings we're living in a truck <laughs> like it's just not a good time um and then we both kind of had a couple of days to think about things and by this stage I was already like no I'm definitely going to go ahead with it and I even like in my head I knew it was going to be a girl already like I just I, I was kind of so attached to it so early on that I was like I'm not I've wanted this I'm not going to change my mind it's happened for a reason um and yeah so he he did kind of come around but I sort of I said to him look I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead with it I don't expect you to be involved if you don't want to like how it's my choice and I know you didn't want it so you know like you don't have to be involved if you don't want to you can kind of choose how involved you are or whatever um and I'd say like a probably about a week or so later he'd kind of come around and he was he was like nah if we're if we're going to do it we're going to do it properly um so you know let's go for it sort of thing um and then from there on it was kind of still pretty rough because I had by this stage the whole world was in lockdown it was that very first wave when countries were all completely closed down so I was trying to get all my stuff sent over from Melbourne I had to I didn't have a visa here so um I was trying to get a job here so that I could get a visa because I was only on a tourist visa at the time um and there it was obviously difficult anyway because I, I work as a psychologist and there's not I work in quite a specific role um with corrections and there isn't really a role suitable in Queenstown um so I ended up having to move down to Dunedin I got a job in Dunedin um so we started doing long distance again but with me and Dunedin and Sai up here um and obviously like lots of stress trying to get all my stuff sorted from Melbourne um not knowing when I'd see family next they were all trapped in Scotland um and I couldn't leave New Zealand and they couldn't come here um and I also had quite a rough start to the pregnancy like I had very 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 bad morning sickness to the point that like I, I think I lost quite a lot of weight the first trimester because I just could not any sort of smell or any sort of food just set me off um I was literally eating a couple of crackers every day when I could and that was about all and we were living near a vineyard at the time and it was harvest season so there was like the smell of wine and grapes and everything oh. it was just terrible so first trimester was rough um and obviously the emotional side of it feeling quite unsupported and feeling quite isolated at the time and just starting a new job in a new city where I hadn't been before and I hadn't known anyone um and then I also had quite a lot of random bleeds throughout the pregnancy so um every time that happened I would kind of go into a panic and had to go to the hospital and check out what was going on it turned out it was nothing serious but didn't know that right until the very end sort of thing um well I just well I just keep going with yeah <laughs> carry on this is this is um, great context you know for sort of setting the scene of um 
Yeah, I like. I guess I I am interested to know um, what birth preparation looked like for you if you were down in Dunedin and so I was up in Queenstown and um, yeah, what what did that all look like and how were you feeling about um, the prospect of giving birth uh, when you were living in different cities or was that were you planning to be back to together in the same city for the birth yeah yeah no that's a good question we were I guess we were always planning for me to move back to Queenstown at least for my maternity leave we didn't know what it would look like after that so but also for me to be eligible for maternity leave I had to work right up to 40 weeks because you have to be working for six months before so um in my head I'd kind of thought I would go past 40 weeks because my whole family kind of got 42 weeks so that wasn't too stressful and also I got a week off before I finished for Christmas because she was due on the 27th of December um, so we'd planned to move and we did end up moving at 39 plus 5 I think I moved house <laughs> so that was an additional stress but while I was in Dunedin we Sai came down um, to attend antenatal classes for six weeks or so and then every week that I would come up to Queenstown we did an online hypnobirthing course um, and I kind of did quite a lot of research myself like I listened to podcasts and I kind of did my own hypnobirthing type preparation and to be honest with you before Sky's birth I was actually quite confident and I wasn't I wouldn't say I was scared of birth like <clears throat> my family again like my my mum my gran my sister my aunts they've all had a history of very very fast labours so I was kind of expecting it to be really quick like I think I think the longest labour in my family before mine had been four hours um, and they'd all been like 45 minutes an hour sort of thing so in my head I was kind of preparing for it to be really really fast and really intense but I was kind of telling myself you know it's going to be over soon it's not going to you can deal with that for a short period of time because it'll be worth it um so I didn't actually feel that scared off birth itself and I think if anything I was maybe like a little bit overconfident I hadn't really considered the fact that it might not be quick or it might be different to mm. to that um yeah so I, I suppose our main our main plans and we had actually planned a home birth with Sky as well because I'd had quite a lot of negative kind of hospital experiences when I was young and I didn't really want to drive down to Invercargill when I was in labour because that's the closest hospitals like two and a half hours three hours away so we'd planned to have a home birth with Sky um can and I just get ask can yeah. I just ask so this is obviously up in um you've you've shifted up to Queenstown um, at 39 almost 40 weeks pregnant um, and you're planning a home birth there did you yeah. have a midwife in Queenstown that was going to support you in that way and had you had you had a few interactions with her throughout your pregnancy or how what did that picture look like yeah I had so I'd while I'd been coming up to Queenstown um to do like the hypnobirthing and to see Sai at weekends in between work I'd been taking Mondays off and connecting with my midwife up here. She was really great. Um, and she was really supportive of a home birth as well. And actually, one of the reasons that I picked her for the midwife um, when I first started looking was that she was open to whatever you wanted to birth. Like a lot of the midwives here will either support you in Queenstown or 
they'll refer you down to Invercargill and I kind of wanted the same midwife for the whole pregnancy birth aftercare sort of thing so yeah we'd been planning with her to have a home birth um and we had everything all kind of set up I hadn't ordered a birth pool that time because I didn't know that they were available to hire sort of thing but we had a big bath that I was planning to use um and yeah she was she was really good we'd we'd gotten to know her quite well before the pregnancy uh, before the birth so yeah right and how was Sai feeling about the uh the birth and you know venturing into parenthood given that this wasn't what he had had in mind really um (laughs) you know did he kind of come around during the pregnancy or was he sort of still pretty um on edge about it all I would say at the time I thought he'd come around but and I think he thought he'd come around but I don't think he was actually prepared for what it entailed Mm -hmm. I think he was still trying to um still trying to get his head around the fact that his life would be very different but we hadn't or he hadn't really thought about the birth in too much detail other than what we'd covered in the classes and um yeah I think he just saw it as like a means to an end sort of thing which I I guess it is but he kind of thought about it very logically um and yeah he kind of he was he was happy about having a baby but it was funny because at the time I remember thinking like when he was telling other people about it he seemed much happier than when he was chatting to me about it so I kind of did think he was putting on a bit of a front to you know show other people that he was excited when he was maybe still a bit unsure about things or a bit apprehensive. All right well do you want to tell us the the birth story of Sky's birth? Yeah sure. Um, So I'm pretty sure my due date was the 27th of December and I think my waters broke on the 29th of December. So what had happened was we were just sitting watching a film and I could feel like something, but it wasn't a big gush of water like I kind of see in the movies. It was just a little trickle and I was like, I'm not sure if that's it or not. I was bouncing on a yoga ball at the time and I kind of felt it and then it seemed to stop again and and then I was like, oh, maybe it wasn't. And I just had a shower and I was like, maybe maybe I just, you know, didn't dry off properly or something like that. I didn't I didn't really think too much of it. And then I went to bed that night and I kind of started feeling a bit uncomfortable that night with sort of period type symptoms, but nothing major. Like I, I still managed to get a decent bit of sleep. Um, And then I think the next day we had a midwife appointment anyway. So... I think it was like right towards the end of that appointment I said oh by the way I think there's a chance that my waters might have been leaking and she was like oh she was like probably not because it would have you know it would have kept going even if it was gradual you would have still noticed a little bit more and a little bit more um it doesn't usually start and then stop again so um she was like all right I'll test I'll test it anyway and she did a swab and she was like oh yeah it's it's um it's amniotic fluid that's shown up on the swab so your waters have broken um so we'll see what happens we'll just wait and see we'll give you she booked me in I think for another day or two two days maybe from then um so I went home and then I kind of thought oh that's a bit weird because you know I kind of knew that your waters once they broke your labor normally started but nothing nothing at all was happening 
so I started trying to I went for walks during the next couple of days I, I started going for walks um I did a lot of bouncing on the yoga ball I did a lot of the kind of spinning babies type things I was just trying to relax we watched some sort of series on Netflix um and what what was happening was at night I was having all these I wouldn't say they were full contractions but definitely uncomfortable pains that kept me awake um at night and then in the morning they would stop again so I was definitely starting to get quite frustrated because I knew that once I was on a bit of a time watch with that then there would be more pressure to have an induction and I'd I guess from what I'd learned with the hypnobirth and I really wanted to avoid an induction because of the whole cascade of interventions and because I'd have to go down to Invercargill because they don't do them in Queenstown so um yeah I was doing everything I could to try and get get things going those couple of days and I guess looking back my anxiety was increasing 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 as things weren't happening and then at night I was like right okay we're going and then when they stopped in the morning I was getting really frustrated and really upset because they just you know it now I understand what was happening at that time was my body was actually moving around because she'd been sitting posterior but I didn't know that at the time um but yeah I was just getting myself more and more worked up about it and um starting I guess that's where the doubts were really starting to creep in like why is my body not doing what it's meant to do and why are things not happening naturally um and obviously some of that risk of infection was worrying me as well because you just want to look after your baby especially the first time around you I don't know I was I was definitely more nervous about the unknown the first time around as well so yeah all that was going on in my head and then <clears throat> I think after two days roughly uh, yeah by the 20, 29th of December my midwife oh and another thing was my midwife had annual leave booked for just after new year and I really wanted to have the baby before she went on annual leave because I didn't want a different midwife <clears throat> So I think on the 29th of December, she was like, kind of going over the risks and benefits um, and sort of said, what's recommended is that you go down for the induction. Um, so straight away, so I was like, right, I think I think we should just go to, go down to Invercargill. And I just remember crying the whole way down. So I was like, I don't want to go. Like, I don't, and I, and I don't know why I didn't just refuse, but I think I was just, I didn't want to go against that kind of medical advice at the time. Um, so we headed down to Invercargill and it was just a really slow process from there. Like we, we got there probably about lunchtime on the 29th and I think we saw, um, we saw one of the doctors then and they kind of explained what would happen and they started me. So they, they did an exam and, and they said, your cervix is high and closed, like there's nothing happening. And that itself was quite a big setback because I'd been up for a couple of nights before with all these pains. And I knew it was nothing major, but I was hoping I would maybe be like a centimetre or two. Like I was hoping there would be something happening. Um, so they started me first with Cervidil, I think. Um, yeah, it was like something they, they put inside me and on a little... Um, string or something like that so they, yeah so they put that in the first the first night and yeah all all that night I was having pretty pretty severe pains like it was definitely very uncomfortable not not contraction pains but just a dull 
achy pain that stopped me from getting much sleep that night. And they came back again the next morning. They said, oh, sorry, it's not really done much. We're going to have to put another one in. So then they put another one in and all that day I was just really uncomfortable. Um, And yeah, that would have been all day on the 30th. Just really not comfortable, not getting a lot of rest, getting more and more and more anxious because by this time it had been like three or four days since my waters had broken and they'd, they'd kind of said your risk of infection increases as time goes on. So I was definitely getting more and more anxious and starting to doubt my body a little bit because I was not understanding why labour wasn't starting. Um, and then that did work enough that I think I started to die late or my cervix opened or whatever. So after that, they started me on a different type of drug. I'm not... I'm not Simplicity. Yeah. 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 Um, and again that didn't work straight away it kind of that was all day the 31st I was just on and off on and off having all these pains and this is the 31st of December so it's like New Year's Eve so there was hardly any staff in the hospital it was just skeleton crew on and I was having a different person check in on me every time and I was only they were only probably checking in on me like every I don't know five or six hours it wasn't very frequent um, so even just the disruption of having different people every time and having to explain the story each time to each new midwife that came in. Um, and then that night they gave me, I forgot about this, I think, when I told you the first time, because this annoyed me as well. They'd given me some sleeping pills because I was already so tired. and I, But I'd started feeling quite strong, what felt more like contractions. And this has just come up to midnight on <coughs> on the 31st. So I hadn't taken them because I was like, I don't want to be drowsy because I feel like this is actually starting to go somewhere now. So I didn't take them. And I, but I think I must have fallen asleep. And when I came, when I woke up, the pills were gone. <laughs> so I think someone had like cleared them up. So I'd asked them and the, there was all these fireworks going off at midnight for New Year's. So it had woken me up. So I just wanted to go back to sleep and ask them if I could have some replacement ones. And they wouldn't give me them because they couldn't account for the ones that had gone missing so that annoyed me as well because I was like oh well I can't get back to sleep now so all these fireworks are going off um and I started having like really really strong um surges that went from about midnight till about seven in the morning and then they stopped again <laughs> um so then the doctor came to see me the next morning and he was like oh yeah you're you're only at two centimeters so I was pretty devastated by that because it'd been going on for so long and I just hadn't really felt like I'd gotten anywhere um so they left us a little bit longer and then this midwife came in and she she'd been on days and days before and she was like I can't believe you're still here like we need to try and do something to get this baby moving like there's obviously something that's stopping it you know like stopping progress and well I found out after that Sky was sitting posterior and she was just in quite an awkward position her head wasn't fully engaged and it was sitting really squint instead of being right into the pelvis sort of thing so she she got the a cloth and put a cloth around my stomach and was shaking my hips trying to get Sky to drop down and she said just keep doing this and eventually hopefully her head will get become engaged um so Sai was doing it and it was I was I can't even explain it it was like the loudest clunk like her head must have just dropped into the right place and it was like 
dunk and we both just stopped and we were like whoa that <laughs> something happened there and within five minutes I started having the most intense contractions like it was bam 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 like just one after the other I think that was about I don't know maybe about 11 o'clock in the morning on the 1st of January um and this is after days and days of everyone telling me that I was going to have the first baby in New Zealand <laughs> in 2020 <laughs> that's coming on Nicola, did yeah. I before when you said they gave you a different drug and I and you couldn't recall what it was and I said syntocin and I'm yeah. wondering now if it wasn't um was it a, a an IV um, yeah. given to you intravenously or was yeah it, it was an IV it was yeah. an IV okay it probably was then yeah I'm pretty, yeah I'm pretty sure it was because mm-hmm. I had the IV with the antibiotics for Sky and it has a separate IV and I'm pretty sure it was syntocin okay gotcha um but yeah once once those contractions started they were like 10 out of 10 painful like they were so full on and I was really shocked by them because I was like whoa this you know I knew that was only like quite early on I was only two or three centimeters and I didn't expect them to be that intense um and they were like a minute on a minute off a minute on a minute off from the very get-go and in between like the minute off wasn't like a rest because my back ache was so intense like it was yeah it kind of felt like a non-stop, <laughs> non-stop contraction mm-hmm. for quite a long time um so I, so I was like trying to time them and everything I was like no you don't need to do that I can guarantee that this is <laughs> this is me in labor so I got in the shower and I felt like I was managing them pretty well but I was thinking right I hope I hope it's really intense because things are progressing really quickly. Like, I hope this is because I'm going to have a fast labor because I can't deal with this pain for too much longer. Like it was so, so full on. Um, And then a midwife came through, I think it was around about 2 p.m. So it'd been going for maybe three hours at this point. She came through and she was like, oh, good. It's like things are happening. Um, we'll take you through to the delivery part. Um, and I'm just going to, she asked if she could do a check and I said yes, because I was genuinely expecting her to say like you're at six, seven centimetres sort of thing. And she's like, oh, you're about three or four centimetres now. And I was like, oh my God, it's like I cannot believe that I'm still only there. So that just totally knocked my confidence as well. And I was thinking, why can I not handle this pain? Like it's so full on. And I really thought I'd be, you know, I thought I'd be much more capable of dealing with the pain. Like I'd yeah I've had a lot of injuries and things like that in my life that I've dealt pretty well with that you know were nothing like (laughs) like even broken bones and things like that that I've managed to you know I I did a 10k run with a broken foot and (laughs) and I managed to deal with that so I was like why am I not able to deal with this but it was and I was starting to get really panicky because it was just so much and I thought I've still got a long time ahead of me here um and in my head, I was like, I've been laboring for so long and I'm, you know, this this is the 1st of January. I've been doing this on and off since the 27th of December. <laughs> like, why is it, why is it not, why am I only at three centimetres, four centimetres? Um, so in the delivery suite, I tried to get back in the shower and she'd said to me, oh, we don't really recommend that because um, we're monitoring the baby and the thing keeps slipping off you. Um, like all the monitor things kept slipping off my stomach so they made me get out of the shower 
Um, and I'd asked if I could go in the pool, but they said no because of the infection risk. So then I kind of started panicking again because I was like, the shower was helping me. I don't know what to do now. And nothing was easing the pain at all. They brought me through gas and air, I think, at that point. And I was just like going so hard on it that it was making me really dizzy and sick. Like I was using it almost as like a safety net. And every time I knew it was about to start, I was just going to town on it and <laughs> just making myself really um, lightheaded and funny. Um, and then they'd phoned my midwife, Grace, who was coming down from Queenstown. So I think she got there not long after that. Um, and as soon as she got there, I said, I said to her, like, Grace, I'm not coping. Like, I need something else. I need something stronger. So she gave me a shot of morphine in my leg. Um, <clears throat> and I would say that that kind of took the edge off them for maybe 20 minutes. But it was, it definitely didn't take the pain away. It was still really really intense and then I asked her for another one she was like I can't give you any more like I've just given you one you need to wait four hours and I was like I think it was four hours and I was like there's no way I can wait for four hours like it's so so painful um and I was kind of on I was on a yoga ball and I was I had to just try and stand up as straight as I could because all the pain was in my back like it was really nerve pain right at the base of my back and very very unbearable type pain um with just no rest I was so exhausted and I also hadn't yeah I hadn't had any sleep for a good couple of nights I hadn't had anything to eat that day in fact I don't think I'd had anything to eat the night before either so I was just feeling really weak and exhausted and the morphine made me so well like it just it made me feel like a zombie like I couldn't keep my head up after I'd had the morphine I was I wasn't talking coherently. I was just becoming really desperate. And I remember at one point, Grace had gone to, um, I guess she'd gone to find another midwife or something like that. And because she'd gone, I started panicking even more. So I started pressing the panic button on the wall so that someone would come back through. Um, and someone did come through, but they kind of like told me off for using the panic button. So <laughs> that that just like made me even more desperate. Um, and then... I think it was round about, I spoke to Grace about this recently and she thinks it was later on, but I was pretty sure it was round about five or six o'clock. I started asking for the epidural because like, I just can't keep going with this. And they checked me again. I was up to six centimetres, but in my head I was like, nah, I just can't do another four centimetres of this and then the pushing and everything else. So I think around 6pm I started asking for the epidural um, and it was 10 past 11 when the anaesthetist came. So it was a really really long wait and during that what five hours I was losing the plot like I was just so distressed and so in so much pain and um yeah just completely passing out in between in between contractions like my head was flopping over and I was I was just not in control of my breathing or anything I was I was a mess um so then they came through at about 10 past 11 and um, gave me the epidural. And after that time, it did kind of, I was able to relax. And I don't think I actually got any sleep, but I just lay down for a little while. And I think Sai went for a sleep and I think Grace maybe had a little bit of a nap. Um, and then she came and checked me again at about half two in the morning, three in the morning. And I was at 10 centimetres then. So... <clears throat> 
so after that they they were kind of helping me with the pushing because I could feel a little bit but not enough to know exactly what I was doing and because it was my first baby I didn't really know what the pushing should feel like so I was pushing and pushing and pushing and it was about she was born at quarter past six in the morning so yeah it was about three and a quarter hours of pushing maybe um and yes when she was finally born I was I was just so exhausted that I was saying this to you I think this was the hardest thing for me I'd kind of been looking forward to meeting her for so long and Grace put her on my chest and I just I don't know I was I was so disconnected and so exhausted that I couldn't even I didn't even have the energy to kind of look around her face or to pick her up and look at her or I remember just lying there thinking what just happened like um yeah it was it was pretty pretty horrible to be honest um yeah I don't I don't know exactly how long how long she was there for but eventually I think Grace had said to me oh do you want to see her properly and she'd kind of help move me around so that I could I could get a better look at her and um I guess I guess it probably would have been the hour that she gave me with the skin 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 time but I had no concept at the time of like in my head of how long it had been um and at some point during that time I'd birthed the placenta as well but I don't even I don't even remember doing that to be honest I don't remember anything about that um yeah so it was really rough and I was just afterwards I was just feeling completely deflated and um really disappointed with how it had gone and I don't even think that it kicked in straight away though I think I was just in shock for a good bit um yeah the first couple of days that she was after she arrived I was just like wow what was that <laughs> what went on there because <laughs> that was yeah second of January so I think all in all it had been about a week um and I think four days of that had been really full on um yeah she when she was when she was born Grace had kind of done her weights and measurement and she wasn't a big baby but she did have a really big head so I'm, I'd kind of just thought maybe it's because her head was so big she wasn't quite fit in the right way or um yeah I was trying I was trying to understand it but I was I remember people asking me about it and I was like I don't want to talk about it for mm. yeah for a good while afterwards um and it just wasn't smooth like <clears throat> because Grace had her holiday booked as well she stayed she, she you know she checked I was okay she stayed for a good couple of hours after but then she had to leave because she was going on holiday and it was still New Year's Day, so it was still all these different staff coming in and out of the room. Sky hadn't, I hadn't even attempted to feed Sky because I was just so out of it. Like I was still probably high on morphine and had all these other drugs going through me. And um, yeah, Sky had been really sleepy. She'd had all these antibiotics during labor as well because they'd been worried about an infection. Um, they had to do lots of jabs on her when she came out to check different levels of different things I'm not sure exactly what it was um so she'd fallen asleep and I'd kind of just laid next to her but hadn't really thought about feeding her um and it was only like a full 24 hours later that a midwife 
had come in again and said how is she feeding and I said oh she's not she's not fed you um and they were like what um but I guess I just had lost all track of time and didn't really know what I was doing and hadn't even thought to try that um and didn't know how to do it like I'd never I guess I'd in my birth prep I hadn't actually done any breastfeeding prep so I didn't know what to do I think I think I had been I did have some syringes with colostrum that I'd expressed before so I think I had actually been giving her syringes with the colostrum in it so it's not that she hadn't fed but she just hadn't latched before then um yeah and then we were in hospital I think for because they'd been worried about her feeding because they were worried about the infection um I think we were in hospital for about four or five days afterwards as well mm -hmm. And yeah, then finally, I think when we finally got home, it was like, whoa, right, okay. Um, and it was probably, yeah, it was probably when we got home that I started feeling, I don't know, I started feeling that really intense love for her then, but I'd felt like a really intense need to protect her while we were in hospital. And I was, I, ha I hadn't even really slept the whole time, even after she was born, so I was so scared to go to sleep in case something happened. Um, I remember I had a couple of little naps, but I made Sai stay awake to check she was okay um, and to check that she wouldn't stop breathing or anything like that. So it was kind of just like, yeah, survival mode, I think, in hospital. Um, and it was only once we got home that things started to feel a little bit more normal. Yeah. Yeah, how do you feel that that birth experience impacted your your start to motherhood and to um how, towards how you felt perhaps about yourself and um and your abilities around birth perhaps um yeah did it did it do you feel impact your relationship with sky or once you got back home that really just kind of flourished with the breastfeeding that bonding really kind of came on um strong <clears throat> Um, at the time, I didn't think it had too much of an impact, but looking back, I think there was a few things. I think, firstly, I was overcompensating with everything. Like I was, felt like I had to make up for the birth not going how we wanted it. So I was just, yeah, breaking my neck, trying to get everything else right and didn't want to fail at anything. And breastfeeding was really hard. I think because she hadn't latched straight away, um, and she also had a tongue tie, which I didn't find out about until after, which might have had a bit of an impact. Feeding was really tough and I was really struggling with that, but I didn't really want to tell anyone that. Um, yeah, so I think there was definitely a need for me to overcompensate with everything. And I didn't I didn't really want to tell anyone when I was struggling with anything because I felt like I had to get everything right. Um and there was something else I was thinking of. Oh yeah, I think the biggest thing was just feeling like I'd failed massively, like I'd really let myself down. And I think I'd felt I'd felt quite a lot of there was two things I guess. I'd felt almost quite embarrassed about how I hadn't coped with how intense it was, like how I didn't think I'd need an epidural and I think I was really disappointed that I'd had that and even just how quickly I'd been asking for the morphine. Like as soon as Grace arrived, I was begging her for morphine. I think there was, I was just feeling like I'd really let myself down with that. And I guess I'd always 
kind of prided myself on being quite strong like I've always been quite athletic I've always done lots of sports I was always you know I was going to the gym right up until my due date um and so I kind of was wondering why could my body not do that it's been able to do all these other things and just I couldn't deal with that and yeah a lot of self-doubt and a lot of feeling of failure and I didn't I didn't really think it had been a traumatic birth at the time because I'd had other friends who'd had kind of much worse sort of mm-hmm. um, scenarios and everyone kept saying to me, oh, you know, it was amazing. You managed after all that time and after having a posterior baby, you managed to have a vaginal delivery and there was no, you know, there was no instruments needed or anything like that. So in my head, I was kind of thinking, right, I need to just be a bit more grateful for what I had. And um, yeah, so there was all those things. And then even just the fact that none of my family had had any pain relief during any of their experiences. I was thinking, why am I the only one that can't deal with this? And like my sister had been induced and my mom had been induced, but then they'd had really quick labor. So I don't think there'd been any time for <laughs> time for any epidurals or anything like that during their deliveries. But yeah, a lot of the self-doubt and a lot of the overcompensating. And I think there was a kind of additional thing of it was me that wanted this baby so I didn't even want a baby to start with so I can't even really ask him for any more help like I need to just get on with it um and not having any family around like all my family were still in Scotland the borders were still closed size family were up in the Coromandel um yeah I just did a lot of things completely by myself and didn't really know what was normal and what wasn't normal um I would say what you're describing will be oh so familiar to so many people who are listening like this is this is what I hear you know this is the common rhetoric is it could have been worse um who am I to complain I should be grateful um you know it wasn't that bad why wasn't I strong enough etc etc and um and so Nicola was it sort of two years later when you got pregnant again was that and you contacted me for some support and we did that unraveling the trauma session together and part of what that session entails is about helping to you to understand why things kind of went the way they did and why you were left feeling the ways that you've just described and uh, and part of that story when there's been um an induction involved or syntocinin is part of the birthing picture is helping you to understand the difference between spontaneous labor and um, syntocinin, you know, like the effects of syntocinin on the labor and, and appreciating as part of that story that the pain is completely different for a number of reasons, that, that those two different sort of birth experiences are nothing alike. Um, was that your first understanding of that ah so it wasn't that I wasn't strong enough ah right so like was that your first encounter of yeah seeing that you didn't fail that this was that this was par for the course for most people who have um these kind of major birth interventions yeah I think so I think I kind of knew before um, I contacted you because I guess after Sky's birth, 
I was trying to justify in my own head why it had gone the way it had. And I'd started to understand more and more about induction and how it was different and how it could be more intense and more painful. But I think once I actually started speaking to you about it and you explained not just that the contractions feel different, but they also, you know, your your natural hormones aren't able to do their job as effectively and all how how it all is connected. Um it all started to fall into place then and I was yeah, it made much more sense after that. Mm. Hey podcast listener, I'd love a moment of your time to briefly share with you about the Healing Booth Practitioner Training Program that I offer. This is an intensive 10-week program held online where I teach you all the skills and knowledge required to be able to effectively and confidently support others to find healing after they've experienced birth trauma. Essentially, I'm teaching you to do the one-on-one work that I've been doing for the past decade. If you're already a birth worker, I consider this training an essential part of what you need to know to provide truly safe and supportive care. But also this training is for anyone who has an interest in birth trauma support work. If you want to become a certified healing birth practitioner, jump onto my website link in the show notes for more details and get in touch with me to have a chat about whether this course is a good fit for you. Mm. Yeah, so talk talk us through um, your kind of your your healing journey I guess you know like how did you go from that that sense of like uh, failure to going actually I'm um yeah I'm ready to uh, try for a, a home birth again and I'm um I'm yeah I'm prepared I'm prepared for this I'm feeling like I've done sufficient work to um to find a bit of the healing I needed to get my head around, you know, going through birth again. Um, but also I would even say towards kind of setting yourself up for like to welcome this baby as a sort of celebration rather than I've just got to get through this, you know, uh, a sort of mentality. Yeah, what what was that journey? What were some key pieces that helped you to do that healing or make those shifts? I think the biggest thing was that moving from I just have to get through it to I want to look forward to this and I want to have a good experience. Um, because I knew after Sky was born I wanted to have another baby and I think in my head I was so determined from the start not to have a similar experience but I didn't, I wasn't confident that it would be a good one. Like when I listened to people's podcasts who had you know, like episodes where it had been someone with a traumatic first birth and a good second birth, I kind of didn't really believe them. Like I was thinking, well, you know, like I just, because my experience of labor had been so intense, I still had all these doubts in my head that maybe I can't do this. Like as much as I want to, I was really scared that I would, you know, be talking up a home birth and saying I really want to have it at home and then end up in hospital again. And my biggest concern was like, feeling that failure all over again and um yeah and I guess I had a lot of fear about induction and I had fear about you know my my waters breaking and labor not progressing again so I think the biggest thing that made me realize I had to 
do some because I'd done I did some more hypno, um, hypnobirthing again at the start of my pregnancy and I'd been practicing that all through but the thing that I kind of realized was that when I, when I was listening to other people's birth stories <laughs> when I was listening to other people's birth stories and they'd had a positive birth there was still for me a lot of resentment and a lot of kind of well how how come you can do that and I can't and it just wasn't very healthy and then um not long before I had Luca um my sister had her little boy and she has another induction and she had another really quick labor and I just remember thinking like um the emotions that I was feeling towards her being in labor weren't normal like I was I know that people get worried about other people when they're in labor but my anxiety was like through the roof like I was so anxious for her and I was and then when she had a really good well not a really good experience it was really intense and really full on but when she had a relatively smooth delivery I was kind of again a little bit of that jealousy was coming in and I was thinking how come these people are all having these really quick labors like she hadn't done a whole lot of prep for birth she, she'd planned to have an epidural she'd planned to have a hospital birth she was scared of birth and yet she, she had a really quick natural birth and I was I was quite jealous like I need to have this experience too why why am I not having these quick <laughs> quick babies and I think that that's when I realized you know I'm not in the right headspace still I need to I need to have a different mindset um going into this labor because I can't still be holding on to all these things from the last time and um I can't let I can't let that experience with Sky affect this time round and I can't I was also starting to feel like I can't put that pressure on this experience because I was almost worried that if I had another bad experience of childbirth that I would feel some sort of resentment towards the baby as well like I know that sounds a bit silly but I think because in my head it becomes such a big deal I was just really worried about how yeah how it would go and how it would feel and I think at about 32 weeks pregnant I'd gone for an appointment and during this whole pregnancy like from this from the minute I found out I was pregnant I was doing whatever I could to try and make sure the baby was in a good position I was doing spinning babies every day I was walking swimming like doing yoga doing all this stuff doing all these affirmations doing you know like trying to talk to the baby trying to <laughs> trying to tell him to get in a good position and all this stuff and then I'd gone for an appointment at 32 33 weeks and he was posterior again and I was like I was thinking oh you know I, I don't know if I can do another long posterior labor like it was just so bad the first time so then we'd gone back for another check and another scan, I think, at 35 weeks. And he was still there and he wasn't moving. Like I'd been for different acupuncture and stuff and he would he would sometimes move around for like 10 minutes and then move straight back again. So I was like, right, it's going to be this way. I'm going to have to do something. I'm going to have to try and get myself into a better headspace. And um, yeah, and I'd, I'd listened to a lot of your podcasts anyway, so that's how I kind of heard about you already so I think I got in touch with you pretty late I think it was about 36 weeks before we got in touch but yeah finally finally got in touch and realized that I had to do something yeah and how did you feel um so the sessions that we had together we had two there's the unraveling your trauma session which is about three hours long and then we met a couple of weeks later again and did a planning for a 
a healing birth um, session, which again is about three hours long. Um, are pretty intense, and it's it's, a, it's a kind of a lot to take in. But um, yeah, share with share with us what that experience of doing the unraveling your trauma session, and then the planning for a healing birth one were like for you. Um, the first one um, gave me a lot of. I would say the biggest thing was just a lot of validation. Um, and it was probably the first time that I'd really spoken honestly about how I'd felt about it because whenever I I'd told anyone the birth story after I was just very matter of fact this is ABCs that's what happened I didn't really go into how I felt about it or how it impacted me or anything like that because I yeah like I said I didn't really feel like I had any right to like it didn't feel like it was traumatic compared to a lot of other stories um so I guess there was kind of a big weight off my shoulders being able to actually speak through that and go through all the details and just to get that feedback from you about well no wonder you were feeling this way like you hadn't slept you hadn't eaten like you'd had all these drugs and um yeah your body wasn't allowed to do things the way it was meant to and I think I kind of realized then that you know it, it was there was so many different factors that played a part there was all that stuff beforehand so my whole pregnancy had been so tense and so stressed and I think even when I practiced the hypnobirth and things I'd managed to relax but you know I'd come down from like a 10 out of 10 stress to 7 out of 10 I still wasn't fully relaxed my body was still tense you know my jaw my shoulders everything were still tense um and after the first session I'd kind of been able to let go a lot of that stuff and felt quite reassured that it was a result of the circumstances rather than a result of me sort of thing mm -hmm. um, and I kind of thought you know if other people had been in that situation would they have been able to do anything differently probably not and actually in a way I was quite lucky that I, that things didn't become even you know like that cascade of interventions didn't really happen for me like it kind of stopped after the epidural and I was able to then um have a vaginal delivery without any sort of major issues so I think it kind of just like reassured me that I had done quite well given the circumstances and that I'd managed to you know bring on bring Sky sorry safely into the world without yeah without letting myself you know without letting that panic take over to the point that it was you know point and no return sort of thing so the first session probably helped the most with that and then the second session Sai joined in as well and I think having you explain because he going into the second birth with Luca he was really nervous that I wouldn't be able to cope with it and he didn't want to be at home with me panicking the way that I had been when we were in hospital the first time because he just felt so helpless I guess um so I think having you explain to him how yeah, how induced labour is so different to natural labour made him understand more as well, which gave me that kind of extra validation. Um, but I think also, I think for me, the biggest thing was just the way that you were talking as if, you know, you should be excited about this and it will be different. I think I think the fact that you were so confident that it would be gave me confidence that it would be. Um, because right up until then I was still like oh I don't know like as long as I get through it it's fine like I don't 
I don't want to have any huge expectations because it might not be and I don't want to be disappointed again. But I think the fact that you were so confident that it would be a lot better gave me confidence that it would be a lot better. And I think I was so adamant again that time that I wasn't going to have an induction. I was like, I know that if, if it is less intense going in spontaneously, then I will be able to cope because I actually did cope well mm-hmm. with, even though I didn't think so at the time. I, looking back, I actually did cope pretty well with Sky's labour. So, yeah, I would say I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I reached a point that I was excited about it, but I was definitely looking forward to it a lot more than I had been before our sessions and I was feeling a lot more optimistic and a lot less a lot less of those doubts were coming in. Yeah. Beautiful. So do you want to share now your story of, of Luca's birth? Yes. Yay. Um yeah, so with Luca um I had a much smoother pregnancy. There was no bleeding. There was, you know, I was much more settled. We'd just bought our house before I got pregnant. Um, and yeah, the whole pregnancy was, I had some morning sickness, but it wasn't nearly as bad this time. Um, and I felt pretty healthy the whole pregnancy. So that was good. The biggest thing was just tiredness and trying to chase a two and a half year old around while I was so tired, but yeah, it was a good pregnancy. Um, the only doubts were around those, the kind of positioning and things like that. So then I think... (laughs) I got to, I got to my due date and nothing was happening. Um, I'd had like a couple of things that I was wondering if they might have been early labour signs, but because I hadn't gone into labour, um, naturally with Sky, I didn't know what it would feel like for that to happen. So, I was kind of second guessing every little ache and pain and wondering when it was starting, but. I'd mentally prepared myself again to go quite a bit past my due date because I just knew that it was going to happen like it happens in the family and I was I wanted to be ready to go past it so that um so that I wasn't disappointed if if I if I did um I think it was about a, it was about a week after my due date I started to again have similar similar to how I'd felt with Sky before I'd gone to hospital, like I'd had a lot of those period pains, um, what felt like very small contractions, but they'd come and gone and come and gone. And that had gone on for a couple of days and I was like, oh, I don't know if this is just end of pregnancy things or if I'm just overthinking it. And then I think on the Sunday I had taken Sky to a birthday party, a little two-year-old, three-year-old birthday party. And while I was there, I started feeling much more obvious period type pains. Um, and I had like this real need to get back home. Like I didn't want to stay at the party and I started getting like, I need to get home right now. So we left and came home and those kind of came and went all day on the Sunday. Um, but weren't very consistent and weren't at regular intervals or anything like that. And then on the Monday morning, I woke up at like three in the morning with, much stronger ones and they were coming every 10 minutes um and yeah I was like okay we're we're good to go now but then the same thing happened as what had happened with Sky when she got up in the morning it was about seven in the morning they all faded away again and I was like oh no we're gonna do this again so I had a midwife appointment on the Monday and 
I was like crying on the way to the midwives and I got there and I said to Grace, like, I just don't know what's happening. Like, I know that I'm having these, but it's just nothing's, you know, nothing's becoming established. So she put me on the monitor and she checked his heart rate and stuff. He was happy. And she was like, I can see that you're having these, like they're happening pretty regularly. She's like, he's posterior. Your body's just trying to get him into a good position. Like, even if it doesn't feel like anything's happening, I promise you it is. Like, your body's prepared and it's all good. She's like, just try and rest when you can. Um, She's like, I promise you it will. Like, he's going to come out. He's going to come out eventually. So I kind of left feeling a lot. Oh, and then she also said that he's, because before then his head was sitting really high. And she said his head is so low down. She's like, it's right down in your pelvis. He's in a good position. Well, he's not in the best position because he was still very posterior but she's like his head's actually engaged and it's low and things are close like it's going to happen soon so I went went home that night um got Sky to bed and almost as soon as she'd fallen asleep about half seven at night they started again and this time they they were every six or seven minutes I think right up until midnight and then they started getting stronger and stronger um and they became, I think, every five minutes from midnight through till she woke up in the morning. Um, and I couldn't, they, they were they were not painful in that I didn't think I could manage. They were like very sore period pains. But I did get the TENS machine and stuff like that because I definitely couldn't get any sleep. I think twice I'd fallen asleep, but obviously as soon as they hit, I woke up again. So I was getting like three or four minutes sleep at a time. Um but yeah, they were still only staying at every five minutes. <laughs> so I was I was starting to get really frustrated saying, why are they not building up? Why are they not building up? And I'd messaged Grace and just said, hey, they've started again. They're every five minutes. She, and she was just like, no, it's all good. Just stick with it. They'll, you know, it'll, it'll happen. And then it was almost exactly like as soon as I dropped Sky at daycare that morning, because this, this was a Tuesday and she doesn't normally go to daycare on a Tuesday, but they said they could take her for an extra day. So um. Yeah, I dropped her off at daycare and as soon as she was out of sight, they just went, wee, <laughs> then they increased again. So they went up to like every two or three minutes then and they were pretty strong and yeah, they were they were definitely becoming proper. Like I, I knew that was it. So um, I'd also hired a doula this time around just to help out mostly for Sky because we didn't know we don't have any family nearby and I didn't know if she would be able to get an extra day in daycare or whatever. So we had a doula to either to look after me while Sai had Sky or to look after Sky while Sai was helping me. Um, So I phoned her and I'd kind of said, like, I don't want you to come too early. This could be really long, but I'm starting to get quite uncomfortable now. And I'm starting to get quite tired already because, you know, I'd been up since three o'clock the morning before that and I hadn't had any sleep that night. Um. And she was like, okay, why don't you go and try and have a shower or try and have a bath and start, you know, we'd started setting up, we'd rented out a birthing pool, we started setting that up, started, you know, like putting essential oils on, playlists on, all that sort of thing, getting the environment ready. Um, and then they just started getting more and more, they started coming on pretty strong, like they just increased quite quickly from about eight o'clock that morning. So I think Sai must have phoned her again and said, oh, she's still saying that she's okay, but she's starting to look a bit uncomfortable. I think you should maybe come now. Um, so Madula arrived probably just after nine 
um, and she just helped get everything set up and um, yeah she just she brought me loads of Powerade and snacks and things like that and helped me get in the zone um, and then I think Grace Grace had a student with her as well who I'd met um, in the lead up to having him so her and the student had been at a house just around the corner doing a postpartum visit and she'd said how about a pop in just see how you are if you want me to leave I can leave and come back again or if I think things are progressing then I'll stay so she came around and by this stage it was about yeah 11 in the morning and things were definitely <laughs> getting much more intense then um I was in the pool when she came around and I didn't really talk too much to her because I was so in the zone I didn't want to interrupt the flow sort of thing um but I did notice that she didn't leave again. So she must have, so in my head, that was a good sign that things were going how they were meant to be going. Um, and she didn't, I'd said to her beforehand, I don't want any um, exams done. I don't want to know where I'm at because I don't want to feel demotivated. Um, and she said that was fine. I did know that she was like checking that little purple line that you get on your back. I could feel her doing that, but she didn't tell me where I was at. So it was fine. But she seemed happy with where I was. Um, and yeah, so I went on like that. It was quite it was quite a busy house because there's me, Sai, um, the doula, the midwife, and the student midwife. But everyone was just, you know, letting me do my own thing. Um, but I'd been in the pool for a little while and Grace had sort of said, you know, it's it's slowing you down. I think you need to get out of the pool and try some other things to get baby moving. So I was walking around the house, um, we were trying the yoga ball, we tried a couple of different spinning baby techniques and um, yeah and just kept going like that and she was like yeah I'm progressing it's just been a bit slow because of his position um and then I got back in the pool again because I just wanted a little bit of a rest and that was helping me to relax a little bit more and it kind of just went on like that we were doing little you know in and out the pool doing all these different things um and then I must have been getting pretty close like nine or nine centimeters or so because I was saying to her like this pain in my back is becoming pretty unbearable like it's so so um intense and I was having to stand up really straight for every um contraction that if I tried to sit down or anything else it was just too full on so I was stood upright and she I think she offered me water injections for my back um which she said could just take the edge off but I didn't even I didn't want them because I was like, I don't want anything that's going <laughs> to disrupt my mindset. Because um, I was still, even though they were strong, I was still feeling like pretty good. Like I was relaxing in between them. Um, I was getting like a two minute break or whatever in between each one. And I was able to just kind of relax. I was actually falling asleep in the pool at some point. Um, and I was really surprised. Like there was so many times during it that I was like, I can't believe that. I'm doing this and it's not you know like it it was it was obviously intense but it wasn't nearly as painful as I was I think because I was expecting it to be so painful I would say it was only when I got to like nine ten centimeters that it started to feel like one or two centimeters with sky like it was it was just yeah so much so much more manageable um and I yeah the contractions like I felt like I was just so lost in my own world that I kind of got to the point that I knew they were happening, but I was not, I was not aware of the pain. Like I was just, 
going with it and then it was over and I remember at one point Sai was like oh you know you're halfway through it already and I was like don't tell me that like don't I didn't want any awareness of the time or how long it had been going for I just wanted to let it happen um so I was kind of doing some affirmations and some breathing but otherwise I was kind of just trying to relax as much as I could um and the midwife and the doula were just reminding me that they were you know I was getting really tense in my shoulders and my neck and they were just reminding me you know try and loosen off there and try not to tense up your jaw so much and that was the best thing to get me through them um so then I think I spoke to Grace about this the other day because I was trying to understand the next bit because it goes a bit blurry after that sort of time. Um, I think I maybe went, I think I was maybe transitioning at that time. I was in the pool and I got super shaky, like the adrenaline was going through me and um, yeah, I was I was shocked at how much I was shaking. Like I, I was saying, is this normal? I can't, I can't actually stay still. I'm shaking so much. And she was like, yeah, it's fine. And she thought, that I was transitioning then too and I did I think I said to her like I don't think I can keep doing this and she was just like of course you can <laughs> and just shut it down altogether didn't even let me go there um and when I was saying that it was like I didn't actually believe that I couldn't do it it was more just I wanted her to reassure me that it was normal sort of thing so I was kind of saying like I don't want to do this anymore and she was like no no this is normal this is fine and I was like right okay and that was it that was like as much as the transition was it was like a minute or two and then I think she realized the be like look I was still not in the right position so I was like at that point feeling like I should be starting to push but he was just he wasn't he wasn't coming down he was still pretty um stuck and facing the wrong way um so she got me out of the pool um and we went through to the bedroom and I was doing these all these spinning babies techniques um and that was probably the hardest bit because that was when I was starting to get really exhausted and the backache was pretty consistent then like even in between the contractions the backache was really strong um and she she tried she got me to lie on one side and she was kind of manually trying to help rotate them and then she got me on the other side and I had this like really full-on contraction probably the most intense of the whole labor and it just kept going and kept going and kept going um and I was saying to her grace like this is this isn't ending like it's it's just you know it's I'm still having this contraction and she was like yeah yeah and she said in her head she was thinking yes that means that he's finally starting to rotate so she was she was trying to hide a smile at the time and I was like what are you laughing at it's not funny like it's <laughs> it's really hurting um, but yeah, after that, he must have gotten himself into a much better position because um, from then I started properly pushing um, and I was still pushing for a long time. I think it was a good couple of hours that I was pushing with him um, and then, yeah, got to a point where I suddenly could, I was getting really frustrated because I was like, I, I know I'm pushing, but I can't, nothing feels different. Like, I don't know if he's actually moving. And that's probably the was the hardest part mentally because and I knew at this point she hadn't called the second midwife either. So I was like, she obviously doesn't think I'm that close to birthing or she would have the other midwife here. And also by this stage it was 3.30 and Sky was due home from daycare. So we had to phone and get them to keep her for an extra hour. And then it got to 4.30 and she had gotten the extra midwife. But then I started panicking because I was like, Sky's going to be home at any minute now. 
Um, and I didn't really want her to see it if she didn't have to, because she'd said she didn't she didn't want to see it. But anyway, she got home at half four and I was in the room <laughs> making lots of noise. And she kind of came in and had a look around and um but she didn't seem distressed. And I think that relaxed me again because she just went into her room. She had a snack. I think she I don't know if she was reading books or if she'd watched something on the iPad, but she was quite content. Um, and then it was about 20 minutes after Sky got home that, yeah, he was finally born. I had I had some more massive surgeries and was, yeah, pushing with all my might and then felt the heads come out. And then I had, there was quite a lot. Oh, I think Grace had also, she'd had to use her hands to rotate his head round just before he came out just to get him out properly because I think I think he'd kept trying to get out but not having quite enough space just because of the way he was facing so she'd helped him rotate round and then his head came out and then it felt like I had maybe like another little minute's rest and then his body came out after that and yeah she put him on my chest and it just felt totally different like I was so aware of everything that had happened and um yeah I actually got to have a good look at him and chat to him and almost as soon as she put him on my chest he um started feeding like he worked his way over and started feeding yeah I think that was I think those were the main things with Lucas were he yeah he it was it was long and it was intense but it was just felt felt so so different this time um I think a massive part of that was just the fact that my body had gone into labour naturally. Um, and then as a result, I definitely wasn't as tense and scared and panicky. Um, and obviously I was in a better mindset, but yeah, it was just so different. Such a, And it was funny because they were quite similar labours. Like they were both long, both, both of them were in the same position. Both of them only turned like a couple of minutes before they were born. Um, for a second baby with him, like I mean, I, yeah, I would say labour properly started around, I don't know, ten, eleven p.m. the night before, and then I didn't have him till five p.m. the next day. So it wasn't a quick second labour and a long pushing stage, but it just felt so different. It was much more manageable, and there was no point whatsoever that I felt like I wasn't going to be able to do it. Even during that transition phase, it was kind of like. I was thinking of how much longer is this going to go on for? But once the pushing started, it, my mindset just changed again. And um, yeah, there was there would have been plenty of time if I had decided I can't do this. I'm going down to Invercargill. I need to get an epidural. I would have had hours and hours. I could have gone there, but I, it didn't even cross my mind at any point. Like I don't, I think even if there had been gas and air available, I don't even think I would have touched that because I was just so in the zone I was yeah yep <laughs> it was a much 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 better experience and so different how did you feel about yourself when yeah your baby was put on your chest after that challenging but you know um completely different birth experience to skies um well I think I think I actually this is probably where I've learned even more about skies because I was expecting to feel, you know, that instant love and instant connection. But again, I was just so exhausted from such a long labor that 
I was much more aware of what was going on and I was much more, you know, like I fed him, I was interacting with him, Sky was there, so I was chatting to her. So I was much more present this time around, but yeah, I was still so exhausted. And it was I think that's really helped me like have some perspective about how I felt with Sky, because I always had a lot of guilt about not having that bond with her straight away and you know not having that instant connection but I think that's just the way it goes when you have a really long labor like you're just so tired that you're you're just so relieved it's over and so relieved that you can rest that um yeah it took it still took a couple of days I would say with Luca to really process what had happened and um yeah I was I would say I was still even though it had gone well and it's gone as well as I wanted it to I was still in shock afterwards because it's such yeah. a massive thing to go through. Um, so that's made me feel much better about everything that happened with Sky too because I still felt guilty and I still had a lot of kind of self-blame like with Sky or oh, maybe if I hadn't had the epidural I would have connected with her better and there probably was a little element of that but yeah I think a lot of the stuff that I'd, I'd felt guilty about with Sky's birth I've realised now, you know, there was no way I could have done any better than I did in the circumstances that I had sort of thing. So um, I'm almost glad in a way, because afterwards, I, after I had Luca, I said to my midwife, like, why can I not just have, you know, a nice, fast, <laughs> straightforward labour? Like, why did it have to be another long one? And I was a little bit resentful for the first, like, day or so after I had him just because it was such a big experience but then but now looking back I'm like well do you know what it shows that I am capable like it wasn't a straightforward quick second labor it was still a long drawn out <laughs> um intense labor and I know every labor is intense but yeah I'm glad I managed to put everything into practice even though it wasn't it wasn't one of those cases that it was a planned hospital birth and it happened so quickly it was an accidental home birth sort of thing. Like it it was, yeah, it really took everything I had to keep myself in the zone and I managed to do it. So I guess I feel even more proud of the fact that I managed to um, have the home birth and stick with it for such a long time. Um, and even once I started having some of those doubts and st especially that, that day before, um, when I'd kind of had the stop start stop start I think that could have thrown me so easily um, because it was making me think oh is this going to go a similar way again but I just kind of read read some more articles on it I'd spoken to you I'd gotten some information about stretch and sweeps and I just felt really I felt like I trusted my body way more like since we'd had all these conversations about how things work I felt like no, you know what? I'm just going to wait, and my body's going to do it eventually. Um. So yeah, it was. Yeah, I think that was a big thing as well. Once I had, I would say it's only been the last couple of weeks, really, since things have settled, that I've had a good chance to think about everything and realize how big an achievement it was. Because I think afterwards I was just like, thank goodness I managed to do it, and I didn't let myself down. And it's only been with a little bit of time that I've been like no do you know what that was that wasn't easy and I did still manage to do it how I wanted to do it without without changing my mind about anything or you know I stuck to what I wanted and yeah did it <laughs> you did it yes 
<laughs> did uh his sister Sky did she um see him be born or did she did she come out after he was born? I don't think she saw the actual minute that he was born, but she'd kinda she'd come through a couple of times and I think she'd seen him crowning and things and gotten a bit freaked out and gone back into her room. Um and then she I think I think it was like literally just as he'd come out completely that she came through again. So she she saw most of it. I don't know if she actually saw him coming out, but she did see a decent part. She saw enough that she went in the next day and told her whole daycare of what had happened. So <laughs> so yeah, I've got lots of questions. We, we need more of those stories being shared, right? Like yeah. <laughs> my my baby brother was born in the pool at home, you know, like oh yeah. <laughs> How cool. How cool. Oh, this has been so special. Thank you. Um, I'm I'm sure that for a lot of listeners, so much of what you have to share about your experience will help, you know, will feel so validating for them. I, I loved even that you shared um, at the end here about that it did take a couple of days to really, um, uh, I guess, recover from that really, really full-on birth experience and um, and for that bond to really set in. And, you know, we all have our own kind of um, rhythms and cycles and, and um, experiences with birth. It's such a unique thing. Um, and when we hear lots and lots of stories of, you know, the moment I had the baby in my arms, I felt like instant love and da 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 da. We can feel like if our story doesn't match that, then there's something wrong with us. So I love that you shared that because it's it's not like that. It's just different for different people. And um, yeah, so thanks for your um, openness and your sharing. It's a really vulnerable thing to do. And it's uh, such a gift to give you know anybody who's listening as you know like listening to other people's stories helps um helps inspire us or give us ideas around um you know things that we can do to kind of like make those shifts for ourselves or um but also yeah that big piece that validation piece I think is so important where we are where we can sort of shift that self-blame self-guilt self-doubt to like ah oh, okay I'm not alone in this and actually uh, you know um it wasn't my fault um so thanks so much Nicola this has been really special yeah thank you and yeah yeah thanks for all your other podcasts because like I said I wasn't 100% sure I believed them and then I can again that more confidence having having had those one-to-one sessions with you and now I can definitely say if there's other people that are doubting it then there's no need because yeah it can really be different the second time around and can be much more positive even if it's not exactly how you want it to go it can still yeah still be a really great experience so thank you for everything and thank you for all your help If you enjoyed that episode, please spread the love by sharing this podcast with others and ensuring you subscribe and hit that five-star review. And if you'd like to connect with me, you can get hold of me via Instagram at healing.birth and through my website, healingbirth.co.nz. I would love to hear from you, whether that's so you can share feedback or suggestions or because you're potentially interested in healing with me or training with me to become a healing birth practitioner. Let's do it. 
Aroha nui, you beautiful people.